little time we have this morning, amen? It's a powerful move of God's Spirit, and um, as much as I was just, I was just glad to be in the house, your response, your openness, um, pulled, pulled on, tugged on God's heart, and of course I know this time of year there's sicknesses, there's things that go on, but normally those who come out on Sunday night, uh, most of the time it's not you know, necessarily the rule of things because, again, you have those who are part of the core of the body that are out of town or are sick. But normally, it's the backbone. It's the leadership. It's those who are truly just going after God and are willing to give up their Sunday night, so to speak, to go after God. And tonight, I'm not here just to preach a message, but I am here to release and to activate what has been released to impart and to activate now please understand what I'm saying and I so appreciate your pastor and and um, you notice he got a sermon in both this morning and again tonight amen he just can't help himself but no that that was great what, what he what he shared um, concerning um, our ministry and concerning the ministry as a whole. And I, I do appreciate that. But Paul is very clear that there's something that we do not fully grasp or understand. And there would be some in the church world as a whole that would argue with it, but I would say they would have to tear out uh, some of their Bible. But but Paul told Timothy, we all know where he said in in, in, um, in verse 7 there, that um, stir up the gift of God that is within you. And, and he went on to say, and I'm, I'm leaving out a part on purpose of coming back, but he went on to say, um, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, sound mind. But he said, stir up the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, I don't know exactly how that worked or how it works because it, it still works. In other words, it didn't stop with the Apostle Paul and, and end. It's still ongoing. And so tonight, I believe with all of my heart that God wants to impart gifts among you. And then there are many of you who already have gifts on the inside of you. Some of you know about one or some of them and then some of you are not aware of some of the gifts that lie within you but either way God wants to put you in position to activate what is already in you or will be imparted into your life tonight so I want to encourage you it is not on my authority as a person but on the authority of Jesus Christ and the office that he has placed me in to release and activate. You see, I don't believe in just having services. I don't believe in fluff. I don't believe in stirring up things just to make something happen and, and, and just say, oh, we had a good service. No, I believe that we should because we serve such an incredible and awesome God that's true to his word. We should just see the Bible happen we should just see the Bible happen and I'll be honest it bothers me there's something in me that bothers me when the Bible isn't happening which I know it goes along with the call of God on my life and the passion uh, that's that's in me and the call of God that he's placed within my heart but I believe that to some degree it should bother all of us when the Bible isn't happening. And I believe that the Bible should be happening when we meet together like this, but then as well when we go out there. I believe the Bible should be happening when I'm in service with you or a week from Monday when I'm flying 
and then arriving in Tanzania next week. I believe the Bible should be happening. Somebody there to hear this morning, I introduced my, my uh, middle son, Caleb. And, and I don't say this because there's nothing to brag about, but I'm kind of the unknown, uh, unnamed chaplain of the wrestling team, and the coach doesn't know it. His wife is actually atheist. I don't know about him, but uh, the boys just, they just come up to me and ask for prayer before their matches. And um, I don't know, it just kind of happens. You know, one of them told me yesterday, I, when, I, when I'm around you, I just feel the presence of God. I said, go God, I'm not even in church, you're doing this. I mean, that's what that potential that is what God has for all of us. You don't have to be a pulpit preacher for that to happen in and through your life. I'm telling you tonight that you have an opportunity, a moment for impartation. That's what I've been talking about. Paul laid his hands on Timothy and there were gifts imparted. And then he said, stir them up, activate what was imparted. And so tonight is a moment of release, impartation of gifts, stirring up of gifts that are already there, and stirring up of new gifts that will be released so that we go out in the power of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, changing our world as we have been changed. Moment, I mentioned it this morning, and process. Not either or, both and. And it bothers me when I do not see the Bible lived out. And God wants you to have a certain level of frustration if in your life and in your world you haven't seen the Bible lived out. That's that certain amount of frustration that I mentioned, and a little bit like this morning, um, he just changed my message, so I'm going a whole different direction. But at least he gave me a warning before I got up here this morning. A certain level of frustration, if we let it uh, move us in the wrong direction, then we come to a place, it's possible, we come to a place that we become so frustrated that we say, what's well, for others but it's not really for me to see it in my life and through my life but that's not what God wants what God wants is do you for you to have an element of frustration that he actually that you actually will bring to him and he can use it in your humility saying God I've read Matthew Mark Luke John book of Acts but I'm not seeing it like I long to see it. And I'm frustrated. But I know that you're big enough to do something about it. Just slap your neighbor and tell him he's big enough. Come on, tell him. I said slap him so you wake him up. Come on. <laughs> now don't take advantage of that. I don't mean really. Got to watch Alicia. She'll just slap Jordan real good. Good to see our friends. Doing good work at Shirley. The great revival there. And so God wants to use that frustration to stir your heart tonight to grab hold of this, this moment. And then from this moment, let God build on it and watch what happens. Because things will begin to unfold. Now I'm not saying that for some of you in this building, they haven't already been unfolding. And obviously, God is using people in this room. Uh, Shane was just sharing with me that he's headed out to Honduras. Is that right? And so, we'll be doing missions work, and we're, we're excited about that. And others of you, God is using you in different elements and in different ways. But I'm telling you, there's a deeper place. 
And the message that I was going to bring to you is a word that burns in my heart. And I'll just, just the title, Deeper Still. And from Ezekiel 47, many of you know the story where Ezekiel has the vision and he sees the man with the measuring stick in his hand and he keeps measuring the river that's flowing out from the temple and it keeps getting deeper, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, a river to swim in. And everywhere, it goes on to say, the river flows, there is life. And so God doesn't want you in ankle deep water because in ankle deep water, how many understands if you're in ankle deep water, you can just slush around and move around pretty quickly. And God calls that busy bees. Mm Mm-hmm. Busy bees. Some call them busy bodies. I'm being nice. Busy bees. And then there's knee-deep water. And God calls that, placing in my heart, worker bees. Every church needs worker bees. The body of Christ needs worker bees. And that's important, and that's a good place. Here's the problem. If you stay at knee-deep level as a worker bee too long, the work will become about you instead of about him. And a litmus test to find out if it's about you and not about him is if you start noticing others who are not working and you start whining about it. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. You start whining about it. That means you've been at uh, knee-deep water too long, deeper still. God is calling you deeper And there's a reason. He wants to impart. He wants to activate and use you. That waist-deep water. That's worship bees. And to to ever reach waist-deep water and to be a worship bee is actually a compliment. I speak over this body prophetically that you are a worship bee church. And I don't say that most of the places that I go. So I'm not just saying something that you want to hear. I hear it in my spirit. You are a worship bee church. You, as the core of this body, love to worship him in spirit and in truth. And you are a worship bee church. Your pastor was bragging on you this morning concerning your giving. That's a natural outgrowth of the fact that you are a worship bee church. You love to come into his presence and worship him. And I see that even some coming up toward the front area and worshiping and others worshiping around the building and you're a worship bee church. And thank God for that. But watch this. If you stay at waist deep water long enough, the worship easily can become about you instead of about him. So it is a compliment to be a worker bee and a worship bee. But when you stay, even as a worship bee, too long, then it becomes about you instead of him. Because he's calling you to waters that are over your head that you can swim in. And how many understands that his waters are as deep as the ocean's? And I don't care how good of a swimmer you are, you try to swim the ocean without any help, you're eventually going to drown, which is the point. That's what he wants. Because that last level, when you're drawn out into waters to swim in, you become a dead bee. And that's what he wants you to be, dead to yourself. Dead laying on the altar as a sacrifice unto God, rescinds the fire and consumes you and takes you out deeper still. And he uses your life to impart and to activate and to use you in demonstration of 
the gifts and the power of God. Tell your neighbor it's time to demonstrate. Mm. Now, I didn't say earlier dead beat. I said dead bees. All right? Dead bees. Dead to yourself. There's four key words. I mentioned already one of them, which is actually the last one, frustration. The, the, the other three is presentation, demonstration, validation, and then frustration. And I want you to stay with me. Listen to this. I'm going to try to put it on the fast track so we can get to these altars. I'm excited about what God's going to do around these altars. As Pastor mentioned, we saw it from one end to the other this morning and tonight. It's going to be no different. We're going to, unless the Holy Spirit changes my mind, He's put a prayer line on my heart and, and people don't get nervous. I explain um, with a pastor's heart, having pastored for so long, I explain when I pray for people, I don't push. But it's just scriptural that sometimes God will come on individuals so strong with his glory that you're not able to stand if that happens don't fight it i see it often in places we go and i even saw a couple of people this morning you know just kind of you know i'm not going down (laughs) i was at a church in california and there was this older lady um i don't know she had to be in her late 60s 70s she told me after prayer um she said, nobody has ever been able to knock me down. And I went to the altar telling my friend, I'm not falling down. I said, uh, wait a minute, I didn't knock you down. <laughs> but he did. <laughs> so watch what you say. <laughs> but you don't have to receive that way. It's not about the physical position. It is about the position of your heart. As you receive from God, the point is, if I was to take your finger and put it in the plug-in over there, you would get a jolt of power, and you would respond some way. Some of you big, tough men who don't want anybody to see you cry, you would just kind of grit your teeth, and maybe one little tear would stream, and you'd flick it off as fast as you could so nobody would see Others of you would scream like a baby, ah! You know what I'm saying? But the point is, put your hand in the power source. So that, that, that first word is presentation. That's what I'm doing now. Don't go out of here saying the preacher said the presentation wasn't important. It's absolutely important. What your pastor does every week is important. It's important that we present the gospel both in a setting like this, in a church setting, through the preaching of the gospel and the word, but also in a setting like what I mentioned earlier, a wrestling tournament. Or in your workplace, your schoolhouse, wherever you go. Conversation, presentation of the gospel. But here's the problem. Much of the church has stopped at presentation only. And this is what the Holy Spirit whispered to my spirit. He said, Ronnie, presentation without demonstration is an abomination. No, don't shout me down while I'm preaching good. I said, whoa, God, that's kind of tough. He said, well, that's how I feel. It bothers me. My people have my word. They, they read and know what I've both spoken and presented as an example and yet, they become satisfied with presentation only when I want them to not only present me, my character, and therefore, out of his character, what he does, but I want them to also demonstrate who I am and what I do. So God tonight, I mentioned that word frustration, 
was to move you from a place of presentation to demonstration. It doesn't matter about being in pulpit ministry or not. It doesn't matter if you ever go on a mission trip or not as it pertains to this. It matters if you're called and, and being obedient to God. But what matters is that you simply make your life available because he will demonstrate through you and through your life as you receive impartation, activation, and then continue that process and obey him as he speaks to your life. I know this is a winter Sunday for First Assembly and, and we're here, but this is a special moment where I believe that God is going to bring fresh impartation no, no, let me say it better. I know God is going to bring fresh impartation and fresh activation and a fresh release of what he wants to do through you as a collective body and then through you as a person. So this is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Many of you know these verses. I was with you in weakness and fear, and in much trembling, verse 4 is what I want you to get. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit, notice the conjunction, and of power. So notice the conjunction was not, I was with you in the demonstration of the Spirit, or power, but it was a demonstration of the Spirit and power. So when you have a demonstration of the Spirit, you're going to have a demonstration of power. And when you have a demonstration of power, how many know sometimes it'll get a little messy? That's why many churches in America across the board say they believe in the Holy Spirit and even say they believe that he still moves today and yet they put him in a back room somewhere because they're scared of running off the big tithe payer. They're scared of running off the crowd. I'm telling you, as this thing continues to go down with what's happening in America People are going to be looking for churches like this who allow the Holy Spirit to be smack dab in the middle right. saying, Holy Spirit, have your way and do what you want to. Right. No, no, they're not going to be looking for churches that tell six ways to be a better person. Right. And by the way, if you need any more before you leave, we have a back room with a few people waiting on you. You can go back there and we... You know, because we don't want to scare anybody out front. I'll get on a picture out here, but I was um, in Houston. I was preaching. I'd preached in one service at multiple campuses. And I went with the pastor to one of the campuses, and I was just there. Um, and in prayer time, you know, I just got up. Pastor asked me to help, and I was just praying with a, a man and wife with a lady and then the lady comes gets, gets me after services you're the only other person in this room that really knows what's going on with this lady I'm like well I'll pray for her but I'm not sure really what's going on but okay uh, I said she said you got to go with us to pray for her and so of course I I said well give me let, let me go talk to your pastor and you know I'd already preached one service and been through another and I was starving and and so I'm I'm hoping he says you know no let them handle it you're good don't they are crazy don't but instead he says yeah hey yeah go with them so we go to the back room the husband and wife and a and another person and me and I no more get my hands on her this is Houston not Africa and she begins to manifest demons no no I, I don't say that lightly. It wasn't oppression. And, and you know the difference between oppression and possession, right? Oppression, it's like you own the 40 acres and you live in the big house, but back somewhere on the backside of the 40 acres, there's an invader, builds a fire. You see the smoke from the house. Uh, but 
you still own the house. Smoke eventually reaches the house and bothers, bothers you. And there's a need for that oppression to be broken, but you're, ne- you're still in control. God's still in control. With possession, the enemy has completely... So voice changes, all this stuff. Don't get into that. And we just do what Jesus did and said for us to do. We, one star, his name is Jesus. We cast the demons out. The lady went completely free. Demonstration. So Paul says the presentation of spirit and of power. Notice he says, because if he was alive today, Paul would be Paul, Dr. Paul, Ph.D., many degrees behind his name. He was a very intelligent man and very educated. So he's saying, I could have come to you. In a nutshell, he's saying, I could have come to you with a very long, persuasive speech, with big, long words, as a great orator and sounded um, like the best of speakers. But instead, I chose by the will of God to come to you in the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus, who he is, and what he could do. And in that, I chose to come to you in the demonstration of the spirit and power Watch this, so that your faith would not be in men, but it would be in the power of God. And just like as Paul is telling the church at Corinth, he would speak to us tonight that he wants our faith to not be in men, but in the power of Almighty God that is without limits. And even those of you who have been in church a long time, And even those of you that have done ministry and you've done works and you preach sermons and you've been mission trips and you've done this and you've done that, there's still more. No, no. I don't care if you bought the t-shirt and done it all. No, there's more. And so God wants to demonstrate through you. No, not not just not your your neighbor. Slap Shane, tell him through you. I mean, look, I love it when I'm in Arkansas, I can say this. Through all y'all. Right. Yeah. Out in California they look at me cross eyed and like what is he what does he mean? And so it's through every single one of you. There are students tonight. There are young adults, middle age, and senior adults. He wants to demonstrate through your life. The third word that I mentioned was validation. And I want you to understand, when I mention the word validation, I'm not talking about salvation. We are saved only by faith through the blood of Jesus Christ as we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart. And so salvation is a done deal as we put our faith in Jesus and we believe him to be the only begotten son of God and to believe that he is not only son of God, but God the son. And he died, atoned, paid the price for our sins, rose again and made a way that we might all go to heaven. So I'm not talking about salvation But the validation, here it is, here's the word I've been trying to get to, is that you are a thermostat and not a thermometer. Mm. I'm going somewhere quick here, so stay with me. Churches are full of thermostats, thermometers, excuse me, thermometers. You know what thermometers do, right? Read the temperature. Thermometers simply, their job, read the temperature. So, we as Americans, Christian Americans, we step out in our nation, we watch the news as 
thermometers. We can read the temperature. That the spiritual climate is low. Right? The church full of thermometers who walk in the building and can read the temperature because they're the ones that notice the leak in the roof or this little thing out of, out of whack or this little thing out of, out of place. But a thermostat sets the temperature. God says, I want my people to not be thermometers who just read the temperature. I want them to be thermostats who begin to set the temperature in our nation, in our state, in your city, in this area, and right here in this body. Let me start that over. In this body, in your home, in this city, in this state, in our nation, and the nations of the world. Thermostats go home and they turn up the heat in the house so that everybody who is lost and or straddling the fence, it starts getting hot in the house where you live. They start having crazy dreams. Start becoming convicted in their nighttime. Start becoming convicted as you anoint their pillow. As you pray in your prayer closet. The heat is turned up in the house. Come on, people of God. You've been called to be a thermostat. A validation that you're a thermostat is that you're not stopping at presentation, but you're demonstrating That when you walk in the first assembly, you turn up the heat in the house. You don't even notice whether there's a roof leak. You don't even notice if a commode didn't get cleaned or not before church ever started. You don't notice. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just using silly illustrations, but actually one of them really happened to me. Uh, We were in, and I... I'm, I'm not exaggerating what I would say about a, a two and a half year continuous spirit of revival and um, where I was pastoring. Uh, I don't know. There's somewhere around 15 people healed that morning and, and uh, several people saved. And I no more got out the back door and an individual met me and he said, Pastor, did you know that I found before church ever started, so therefore it couldn't have gotten cleaned, a dirty urinal, filthy. And I wanted to just, well, number one, knock him upside the head. Number two, I wanted to say, you knothead, did you know? That 15 people got healed today and X amount of people was saved and you're worried about a dirty urinal? Go home and get right with God. The churches are full of thermometers that are reading the temperature and they notice Things that have no, no eternal significance. Now, I'm not talking about let the building go. And yes, the, the buildings need to have a good appearance and the parking lots and all that. I understand that. As, as a previous, I understand all that. It's important. Absolutely important. Visitors need to feel welcome. All that. But I'm telling you, beyond that, what Paul said, a demonstration of the spirit and power is more important. The validation that you are a thermostat that is turning up the heat is that God is demonstrating through your life. And there are those of you that have a hint of frustration 
in your life, even as I'm speaking, because perhaps you haven't seen that or seen it on the level that you long to. But good news, God doesn't want you to throw in the towel, throw up, you know, and, and possibly, no, I'll say like I hear, there is at least one person in the building who, who has thrown up your hands and said, you know, there was a time I was reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Book of Acts, it just hasn't happened. And so I'm just, quit trying, just quit. Yeah, that would be good for you to quit trying and let him do it in and through your life. So let me take you to John 15, and then we're going to wrap this up. How many is ready to receive impartation from God tonight? About half of you. If only few respond, preach another hour. That's what my notes say. John 15, verses 5 through 11. Last place of Scripture, seriously. Jesus is speaking here, and he really um, defines how important it is for us to be a thermostat and how he feels about demonstration. Beginning with verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Everybody say fruit. Now we're going to continue to read, but for a moment, look up at me. I want to show you something. Very elementary, but important. You have in Galatians the list of the nine, or the fruit of the Spirit, nine different parts. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, or self-control. I know you all had those down, especially that last one. Right? And that is absolutely important, and we call that integrity and character. And that must be the building block. But what Jesus is speaking of here, the kind of fruit that he's speaking of here, is producing for the kingdom. Demonstrating and producing for the kingdom. So again, it's not either or, it's both and. So you don't go over here and just try to demonstrate for the kingdom and bear fruit without the foundation of the fruit of the Spirit or it's very probable that you'll wind up like those Jesus mentions in Matthew 7 where they say, we did all these great things in your name and yet Jesus says, but I never knew you. But many good people and good Christians resign to a place of being content with bearing fruit of the Spirit as in those nine I mentioned in Galatians. But God wants you to take that foundation and build on it and come over here and produce from the kingdom so you have both and. And Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and through me you will bear a little bit of fruit. No, that's all he said. Much fruit. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Speaking there of the unfortunate um, eternal place that many have found and will find themselves in called hell and eventually the lake of fire. And again, I wouldn't be much of an evangelist if I didn't mention that if you're here and you're not right with God, it doesn't matter your age or maybe your prodigal that's running. Where are you running to? Quit running. Come home to Jesus. Because hell is real. And lake of fire, hell gets worse because it's thrown in the lake of fire at the end. And... um it was not built for you. But what Paul says is that God himself has built a home in heaven for you. 
where he belongs to dwell with you forever. So you're so special that God has built you a home in heaven and he wants to hang out with you forever. I know people that don't want to hang out with me for a day, much less forever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but God loves you so much, he wants to hang out with you forever. That's what you were, that's what you were created for. Created to hang out with him forever. It's worshipers of God. But look at this, it goes deeper. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. When you bear much fruit, you are glorifying the Father. Fruit of the Spirit and bearing, producing for the kingdom. You are glorifying the Father. What do I get out of it? Watch this. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Here it is, last verse that I'm reading here. Verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. What do you get out of it? A joy like no other. And he ends it like this, and that your joy may be full. So, when you refuse to stop at presentation, but you go after demonstration, there is a joy that comes from that like no other according to Jesus. And I believe he's a good Source to draw truth from. So it's not according to Ronnie Freeman, according to Jesus. You'll receive his joy and your joy will overflow. You'll be full of joy that will flow out in your life. Real quick, closing, a simple illustration. There's so many ways that this works, so many ways God uses just normal individuals like you and I. So many ways. Wherever we go, we just have to go expecting and believing after our moment tonight and then after and through our process in our prayer closet and our word. Do you have a prayer closet? Do you spend time with God at home? If not, repent tonight and ask him, help me. Here's the thing. Many have a want, a desire to want to. But the request to God should be this. Give me Give me a, a want to that I might follow through and spend time with you. I want to want to. You hear, did you just hear what I said? Simple, elementary, but important. I want to want to. God, I don't pray like I Look, it's not earning or deserving. But I'm telling you, that private time is when he will begin to speak to you and Activation, watch this, will either start happening in that prayer time as you're sent out or preparation for that activation to actually come to fruition while you're out there. Simple illustration. So, let's say, real difficult tonight in responding to this message. Been saved, need to get right with God, or you've been saved for one week or for a hundred years. This word is for all of you. Prayer lines for all of you. So when I finish and give the altar call, you simply get up out of your seat. Touch me, Lord. Impart. Activate.
demonstrate through my life. No matter where you feel you, you are. It's that simple. And then you leave the rest up to him. I told you I don't understand fully how he uses the laying on of hands. I just know it was so important in the book of Acts. They called it a doctrine of the, apostle, uh, of the apostles. So, let's say you choose to do that tonight. When you do, God is going to do a powerful work. Imparting, stirring, activating, and then you're going to build on it in, in your private time in process. So, you answer the call tonight, and then you continue with process. And in process, as you're continuing, you're in your prayer closet. And again, there are many illustrations that we could give many different ways. But one example. So you're in your prayer closet, and God's, God speaks as you're praying. And he says, Ronnie, you know that, that those things you need to pick up? We'll use Walmart. Everybody seems to go, need to go there. Walmart. That bread, that milk, those few items. We've been having a good time together, but I want you to get up, leave your prayer closet, and I want you to go down to Walmart right now because when you get there, there will be a man by the name of Jim who has just gone through a divorce. The divorce was not his fault, but his wife left him for someone else, and he's broken. And he's even at the place that he's angry with me because he doesn't, uh, he doesn't understand why I didn't stop it from happening. But when you see Jim, you'll know it. He'll have, he'll have white hair, a white beard, glasses, a blue shirt on. And with all the description that I've given you, when you see him, my spirit will give you an unction and you'll know there's Jim. And I want you to go up to him and I want you to tell him that I know about the divorce that he's been through. And I even know that he's upset with me, but that I've been there all the time. And that it was not my will uh, concerning the divorce, but remind him that people have free will. But what I want for Jim is for him to just open his heart and let me back in and renew our relationship together. And I want you to tell him that his life is not over, but his best years are to come as he renews his relationship with me. So you know what's just happened? You just received a divine word from heaven as you went after God and said, I not only want to be presenting, but I want to demonstrate. So you received a word of knowledge concerning Jim. That's one of the nine gifts of the Spirit listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. A word of knowledge. All that knowledge about Jim that you don't even know. So you get to Walmart and you're on aisle 13. I love to use aisle 13 and mess with suspicious, um, what do you call it? Um, superstitious pe people. So you're on aisle 13 and there's this man wearing a blue shirt, white hair, white beard, glasses. And the Holy Spirit says, there's Jim. And your knees begin to tremble. You feel butterflies in your belly, but you take a deep breath and you wheel the cart on up to Jim and you stretch your hand out and say, hey, Jim, my name is Ronnie. And God sent me. He said you would be here. And he sent me to tell you that he knows about the divorce that you've been through. And he knows that you're broken. And he also knows that you're upset with him. But he wants you to understand that the divorce was not his will or what he wanted, but that your wife had, your ex-wife had a free will. 
but he's been with you the whole time that you've gone through this. You are not alone. You were not alone, and you're still not alone. Jim's chin begins to quiver. Hot tears begin to swell up in his eyes because he's hearing from a stranger. He don't know you. You don't really know him except what you heard from God. And then you ask Jim, can I pray for you? And right there in front of God and everybody on aisle 13, you pray for Jim. He's weeping, crying. And then you tell him, by the way, if you don't have a church, I attend First Assembly, Heber Springs, First Assembly, Loving Church, come, check us out. I'll sit by you when you come. And you can see that God has done a great work in Jim's life. You get to the checkout counter. You can't wait to get those items checked out. You make it to the car. You, you get everything in the car. You get seated. And you're like, yes! That was incredible! When can we do it again, God? <laughs> It's called demonstration. He's just looking to use all of his people. Not sp certain special individuals. Every one of us. Those of us he's using, he's looking to use us at a greater level. Hmm. Would you stand with me all across the building? As you're standing with your heads bowed, eyes closed. This morning we had a great time of the Holy Spirit allowing us to pray for the sick.